Good morning, everybody. This is uh, Alessio Longo. I am an Italian Tai Chi and Qigong teacher, so I apologize if my English is uh, difficult to be understood uh, on audio. This is the third episode of my podcast about uh, Tai Chi and Qigong. I would like to provide my personal perspective to my uh, fellow Tai Chi and Qigong practitioners that can access the English, English language content. And uh, in the first episode, we just introduced the two terms, Tai Chi or Tai Chi Chuan, and the second term, Qigong, both of them are actually quite modern terms, developing mainly in the 19th and 20th century, but they refer to very ancient Chinese tradition. To understand these practices, uh, in the, the second episode, we understood that we have to focus on the origin of the uh, Chinese philosophy, because the Chinese philosophy is... Uh, uh, under many points of view, a philosophy that uh, arises from the practice, uh, in contrary to a big part of the uh, Western philosophy that uh, arises from the thinking, from the mind, and from the constructions of the mind. Uh, we can go deeper in this concept uh, later on, maybe, to understand the differences between the way we Westerners think, but also how. At the root of our two philosophies, there is not such a big difference as we may thought or we may have been thought at school. So, while in the second episode we talked about Confucianism and Taoism, the two main schools of the Chinese philosophy that became in the centuries the two legs of the Chinese indigenous thought, we have also to uh, understand that there is a third line of uh, Chinese philosophy that uh, actually does not originate in China and originates actually in India. Uh, and of course, I'm speaking about Buddhism. This is a, a very peculiar uh, philosophy in China because mainly uh, the Chinese uh, culture is uh, self-sufficient. Let's say it is not open to uh, something that comes from uh, abroad. The, the narrative uh, has always been uh, China, China is the center of the world and uh, we have everything and uh, outside there are the barbarians and as you may think this is not something that is uh, uh, typical of China but many civilizations spoke about other people as uh, barbarians. But while, for example, in the Western society, the Roman Empire, which was at the region quite poor culturally, has always been open to the Asiatic influences, and I deem a Greek culture as an Asiatic culture at its root, and uh, so the Roman Empire opened itself to the Chinese, the, the, the Greece, uh, uh, the Greek philosophy, the Greek gods, uh, and then to other Asiatic uh, religions, and then, as you know from Constantinus, uh, also to the Christian religion. And uh, so they were, the Roman Empire was actually open in nature to uh, the influxes of the other people. This is not the same from China. But we have this uh, single, uh, uh, single religion coming from India that uh, spread out in uh, China, and uh, from China, it also spread to other uh, other countries like uh, South Korea, from South, uh, like like Korea, and uh, from Korea to Japan, and uh, so on. of course also to Tibet, that uh, is now uh, geographically part of the uh, Chinese state. So uh, there are three main pillars of the Chinese thought: Confucianism, Taoism, and Buddhism. Now. While Confucianism, as we said in the second episode, is the religion that helped Chinese society to frame itself and the relationships between 
the people of the community. So this is important for us because also the relationship in a Taoist school or uh, an internal martial arts school are inspired by the Confucian, uh, the Confucian societal organigram. So uh, the, the master is being like a father and uh, all the students are being as uh, brothers with uh, everybody having between them the relationship of elder brother and younger brother, uh, being the due of the younger brother to pay respect to the elder brother and, uh, and all of what originates from this uh, the practices are studied and developed under the Taoist philosophy, which is a very broad term, bringing inside everything from the Chinese philosophy that is not Confucianism. So many different schools, many different thoughts can be uh, put under the Taoist roof. Buddhism uh, never melted itself, uh, itself in this uh, uh, broader religion and kept peculiar, so we have uh, a big influx of Buddhism in the Chinese culture and, of course, in the Chinese practices. And once again, we do not have to think that somebody that was Buddhist was not a Confucianist or was not a Taoist. Of course not. Most of the people that were practitioners of these arts would behave as Confucians if they were uh, in the society, so with their wife, their sons, uh, or other people around the village in the state, or paying respect uh, to the ancestors, they will be Taoist, for example, in medicine, for example, uh, in many aspects of the practices, and they will be absolutely open to the Buddhism as well. So it will be perfectly fine for a practitioner to pay respect in a Confucian temple, to pay respect in a Taoist temple, and in the same time to pay respect in a Buddhist temple. So in the eye of a Chinese practitioner, all of these three lines had their own, uh, their own respect and their own way of contributing to the well-being of the soul of the, and the body of uh, the person itself. So this is a point that we as Westerners have to understand because we are used that if you are Christian, we are not uh, Muslim, for example. And uh, uh, this is not what's going to happen in the ancient Chinese philosophy. Regarding the practices, of course, as you know, both the Taoist practices and the Buddhist practices are based on uh, uh, internal development. Now, these two schools were not two separated schools. Because if one practitioner was both a Taoist and a Buddhist, if needed, it depends from what you find near you. If in, in your region there is a good Buddhist teacher, you are going to follow this Buddhist teacher. And then maybe you move on and you go in the capital. In the capital you find a, a good Taoist teacher and you follow the Taoist teacher. And of course you bring with you the message that you brought from the, from the Buddhist school. So, as time went on, Buddhism influenced the local Taoist practice, in the same time, the Taoist practice influenced the Buddhism. So, uh, to make a very practical example, uh, of course, uh, where the mind goes is to the Chan Buddhism. The Chan Buddhism is, uh, uh, is part of the Madhyamika, the Mahayana Madhyamika Buddhism, and, uh, but it's a Buddhism that is uh, taught like in, in a, a Taoist way. So, if we see the original Buddhism, and if we see the Chan Buddhism, we see very big differences, actually, 
to the point that uh, even Buddha has to be killed, as the Chan practitioners used to say, and to the point that we see that basically, under many points of view, Chan is uh, in the middle way between Buddhism and Taoism. Many people know the Chan Chinese Buddhism in its later form, which is uh, the, the Japanese Zen, which is exactly the same character, but with a different pronunciation. So, there are these three ways, uh, three main ways of influencing the Chinese thought. Two of them are at the root of the Chinese energetic and personal development practices, which are Taoism and Buddhism. Now, given this, we have to say that under the tradition, the Buddhism had a great impact on the development of the Chinese internal martial art, because Shaolin is historically the temple where uh, the legend says that these martial arts arose. Now, this is an interesting historical fact. Also in Japan, we have a very long history of fighting monks and fighting temples that influence our, our fantasy. But we have also to understand that uh, this is uh, uh, a fantastic history, meaning that, of course, uh, the Chinese martial arts started to develop many centuries before the foundation of the Shaolin Temple as a Buddhist temple, first point. Second point, the Shaolin area was a sacred area years before it became uh, a Buddhist temple. It was also an area sacred for Taoist, let's say, practices and local practices. So the two history and the two practices influenced each other. And uh, uh, so under this point of view, seeing the martial arts as something coming from uh, uh, outside from India with the legend of Bodhidharma, which is this uh, mythological Indian priest that will brought uh, the Chan Buddhism in, uh, in China and the uh, martial arts, or the basics of the martial arts practices, like the 18 uh, hand of Buddhas, which are basic exercises for self-development, uh, they only in part meet uh, the truth of the history. So I encourage uh, the Tai Chi and internal martial arts practitioner to understand that there is a big chunk of what we hear and think about the development of the Chinese martial arts that are actually, in fact, only uh, legendary. And, of course, there is always an interesting message that the legend wants to, uh, to give us, but at the same time, we do not have to stack our mind to this kind of uh, histories. Uh, given this, actually, if we think about arts like uh, Tai Chi and Qigong, Actually, we have to think of them more properly as Taoist arts, knowing that, as I just said, that Taoism, when we think about Taoism in the 18th or 19th or 20th century, of course we are thinking about the religion that has gone through centuries of melting and meetings with the Buddhist practices. But if I had to highlight one big difference between Taoist and Buddhist practices, is that, in my opinion, the Taoist practices have always been open to civilians, let's say. So, the, you don't have, you also have a Taoist priest or a Taoist saint that left the society, practiced in the forest, and only dedicated himself to the practice and, uh, and some kind of uh, character like this. Uh, but these were not the were, was not the majority of practitioners. These was people that uh, mainly had a family, had a role in the society, and were also practitioner in the night, as they say. 
Confucian in the day and Taoist in the night. So these were very dedicated and very talented people uh, that can have a perfectly normal life. Of course, uh, at that time, if you were uh, if you were going, if you were working in the government, you wouldn't work like today, 70 or 80 hours a week. I mean, when the, when the sun goes down, you are open to your own practices. While Buddhism is as a practice more more open to monks. It is not something from the civilian. Or you are a civilian and you work and you support with your work also the monastery, or you are a monk and you are supported by the society and you go ahead with the practice yourself. So from the Taoist perspective, we have much more detailed information and tradition about what a beginner should do uh, compared with what the Buddhism traditionally does. And so this is the reason why I think that the Taoist practices like Tai Chi and Qigong are more interesting than Buddhist practices, because we basically do not have a Buddhist practice for civilians. Many people today, for example, they uh, say that they practice uh, Zen. Now, I don't know how much the tradition went down from the Chan Buddhism to the, uh, to the Japanese Zen to the modern times, but there is not something like a Zen for civilians. Chan was a practice for people that were closed in a monastery and the only thing they did was to practice. So, in the same time, there is not something like engineering for high school. Engineering is something for a uh, college degree and above. You cannot speak about engineering when you speak at high school. At high school, you can speak about uh, uh, mathematics, for example. This is the same for many Buddhist practices. They were not created and developed for civilian practitioners. The contrary was for the Taoists. The Chinese tradition never liked so much the streets, like I go in the forest, uh, I only eat roots. We also have this kind of uh, uh, traditions, but the Taoists, the Chinese original tradition, like uh, actually what also Buddha said in his life, like the middle way. So uh, I don't eat too much, but I don't, I don't even like to starve or to fast, for example except for maybe little, uh, little times. And uh, so this is one of the reasons why uh, the Taoist practices, uh, under my point of view, are uh, more interesting than the uh, pure Buddhist practices. But as I said again, uh, these schools influenced each other, so it is impossible to understand how much Taoism influenced the Buddhism for the creation of example of the Chan Zen, or how much Buddhism influenced the Taoism. So I hope that uh, this uh, episode helped you to understand a further point upon to what is at the root, at, at the philosophical root of uh, these practices, and uh, we are going to follow up with other episodes to understand what, finally, this philosophy says about, uh, say, about the practices, and also how much this philosophy and the world of the view and of the man differs, really, from the Western point of view, and how much, especially at the beginning, they were actually similar and started from the same perspective of the ancient Greek and uh, uh, other Asian philosophies. Thank you.